Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Good to see you all. Some of you, I, I think we have some guests here that I don't recognize. I haven't been, if you don't know the story, I used to preach here months ago. And I took a sabbatical. And so I'm back. That's why people clap. Usually they boo when I come up here. But they, they forgot how bad my preaching is. So, uh, um, but we do have guests here. I'm gonna, can I embarrass you just for a minute? You couple right here? Should I say hi? Good to see you. I feel like a guest, so I just say, hey. Any other guests I'm missing? No, right here. Who's this? They were in the play. Awesome. Welcome back. Great. So I feel like a guest too, so that's kind of awesome. Um, I don't recognize you. Hi, Stephen. Do all know, you all know Stephen? So. Allie's here. She's a guest. <laughs> Just teasing. Hey, I want to do, uh, thank everybody that helped at the wedding. I know a lot, of, a lot of people helped. Many of them I don't even know. That day was a, uh, was, uh, I don't even, I, I don't have words for what that day is for a dad. <laughs> to, give, to give away your firstborn daughter. Your firstborn and your firstborn daughter. It's, it's a trauma that I can't even describe. <laughs> Um, you don't want to do it, but it's, it happens. Um, but anyway, I know a lot of people helped. Um, when I came up, I saw people loading. Later in the night, people were moving tables. I mean, you guys worked. A lot of people worked. If I name some of you, I will not name all of you, and then half of you will be mad at me because I didn't name you, so I'm not going to name anybody. But I will send a letter out to you once I get the official list of all the helpers or many people. But I appreciate my wife and I and the family really appreciate all your work. Um, open your Bibles to Matthew 12. I wanted to share a few uh, thoughts on the Sabbath. Uh, part of the reason is um, as I took my sabbatical, I learned a couple lessons about the Sabbath. By the word, the sabbatical... Right? Sabbatical, Sabbath are related, right? Uh, I've been in the ministry. Um, I wrote a note here. I thought I... What did I do with this? Uh, I think about 36 years, if I did my math right. So, something like that. It's a long time. Um, and so this past uh, couple months was the first time I ever took a sabbatical. And I remember years ago, sitting in my office... Not here. This is years ago, because, like I said, I've been in the ministry a long time. Sitting in my office, and somebody mentioned, I think it might have been my secretary, secretary at the time, mentioning <clears throat> they're going on a vacation. And I remember sitting in my office, and I thought, when's the last time I took a vacation? <laughs> and I realized, I realized I had not taken a vacation in many, many years. <clears throat> so I have actually had two previous sabbaticals, but they were actually work sabbaticals where I had deadlines to finish books. So, in fact, those sabbatic, sabbaticals supposed to mean rest, right? So during my rest time, I worked harder than I usually work. Um, literally, the, the last book I wrote, I, I literally was spending the night in my office finish, finishing the book because, to meet the deadline. So that's not really what a sabbatical's for. 
Um, so I wanted to talk briefly to you today about the Sabbath. Um, Matthew 12 is a great place. This text, similar text from Mark and in Luke. Uh, Matthew 12.1, it says, At the time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests and the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Um, You know, the the Sabbath is an interesting uh, uh, law in the Old Testament. When you you read the Ten Commandments, anybody, some of you have never seen that movie, The Ten Commandments. Has anybody seen the movie with Charlton Heston, the old classic? Oh, some of you younger people have seen it? You got to watch it. It, it, It's, it's kind of cool and it's kind of, kind of nerdy at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like old technology, right? Like today we can make things blow up and it looks real. I mean, this is really happening, you know? The White House is imploding. Well, not really, but <clears throat> it looks real. Well, in, in the Ten Commandments, so it, it was a classic, still is, but the technology, you know, they did a good job. I mean, when, when the Red Sea parts, it's pretty cool for being that old of a movie, you know. And, but, but the scene that impressed me when I, when I saw it a few years ago was when God gave the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> and and, and uh, Charlton Heston's up in the, in the mountain, Moses, right? And, and God speaks the commandment. I am the Lord your God. By the way, God is British. I, um, I can't do it. <laughs> In these movies, it's a deep British accent. I don't know where that comes from. Um, maybe the King James Bible or something. I don't know. Uh, so, so God speaks it, and then lightning comes. It's like this stringy lightning bolt thing comes. Etches, the, etches, the, you know, etches it in stone. And you know, from a movie point of view, it's kind of kind of corny. But when I was watching it, I mean, what struck me was all the things that God could have written. Now remember, I believe God has written the Bible. Does anybody else believe that? And I believe he's written it all. But he didn't write it with his own hand. But this he wrote with his own hand. And what struck me is how significant it is that God wrote something with his own hand and he only chose ten things. Now, federal laws in the United States. I used to go to UMSL. And UMSL is a, is, a, is a depository for federal documents. I don't know if you knew that. Their library. It's a special, some libraries... And if you go in there and look at the, the, the shelves and shelves and shelves of federal regulations, it is astounding. 
I mean, we're breaking the law probably by breathing now. I mean, it's so bad. Everything's regulated, right? So, but God only gave ten words. They're called the ten words. Ten commandments. And they're not that long. So that tells me those are important. You get what I'm saying? They're really important. And the more you meditate on the law the more you appreciate that those ten simple precepts really comprehend all of life. And they can be lived out in every area of our life. Now, this is all introduction, by the way. We'll see how far we get today. You forgot. You forgot. <laughs> um, now, the Christian... Well, let me, let me go back to the Sabbath. The, the, the Sabbath has been debated uh, in Christendom for a long time, probably starting with the Reformation. And so most Christians will say that the law is binding, that there's something special about the Ten Commandments, but a lot of Christians are like, yeah, but that fourth one, we're not sure about that one. Which is kind of funny to me when I think about it. Because if you read the Ten Commandments and it says, You shall worship the Lord your God only. And I say to you, can we break that now that we're saved? You would say no. I say, okay, let's try this one. Thou shalt not murder. Okay, can we break that one now that we're not saved? Now that we're saved? No. Okay, how about this one? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Is that one okay? No. Okay, it's not okay to break any of the nine. So why is it okay to break that one? Right? That, that's the dilemma. Now, there are New Testament texts that are used to say the Sabbath's not relevant anymore. Uh, and I'm not going to get into a big thing about, you know, the binding nature of the Sabbath because I think it's that very discussion which ruined the Sabbath for Christians. It ruined it. And, the, and we see this here in our text... Um, and the legalist takes the law and makes the law a burden. And that's why even Paul said in Corinthians, the, the letter, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Okay? The letter kills. If you really read the Ten Commandments with your eyes wide open, it will kill you. Because if you really understand it, you realize, I have violated every one of these things in principle in my heart, if not in my actions. And so it slays you. And Paul even says that's one of its functions, is to bring us to the knowledge of sin. Then it's a tutor or an instructor to do what? To lead us to Christ. No one seeks a savior unless they realize they need him. Amen. And the law says you need him. Amen. You need Jesus. Yeah. And so, so the law should be preached in all its force. But not to save, but to convict. And thus to prepare the heart to receive the one who saves from the condemnation of the law. And that's Jesus. Amen. So... But, but, but the Christian is related to the law in a completely different way. We are not under the law. The law does not save us. 
And, and the reason is we don't keep it. We cannot keep it in the flesh. Doesn't happen. The law does not save us. Jesus saves us. And the law by itself doesn't sanctify us. The Spirit sanctifies us. So does that mean we can break all of them? No, of course not. Of course not. What that means, as Paul says in in Romans 8, after he says there is therefore... The therefore is real important because therefore refers back to the fact that he says that we're justified by grace through faith, freely, through the the shed blood of Jesus. We're justified. We stand in grace. He says, therefore, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. But then right after that, he says that the Spirit fulfills in the believer the righteousness of the law. The Spirit does that in us. We don't do it because we can't do it. So, the law doesn't save, the law doesn't sanctify, but it doesn't mean we break the law. Paul says in Corinthians that we are not under the law, but we are in lawed. To Christ. We're in law to Christ. So we observe the law not as the Jews did, we observe the law as Christians. And it's a completely different attitude toward the law, and it's a completely different relationship to the law. Now, regarding the Sabbath, it is the, the Sabbatarians who have destroyed the Sabbath. And they've made it a burden. We see this in this text. Go on in Matthew 12, just a couple more verses. Verse 9. <clears throat> so he, he says to them, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Then in 9, it says, now when he departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they said, And they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him? Now, think about this. The very question reveals a profound misunderstanding of why God even gave the law. Is it okay to heal somebody? What kind of question is that? That's like, if somebody's uh, somebody's starving, is it okay to give them food? Oh, I don't know. I better pray about that. Uh, I better study the Old Testament some more to see if it's okay to help somebody who's lying on the side of the road dying. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. I mean, you talk about a perversion of God's word. Then he said to them, verse 11... What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? I mean, he's saying, use your common sense. If if your sheep or your donkey fell in in a hole and it was the Sabbath, you'd yank him out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. And then notice their response. Then they went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. 
Wow, that's the dark heart of religion. That's the dark heart of legalism. Okay, that's legalism. So, Jesus didn't break the law. But according to the Jews, he did. But that's because they misunderstood it. And so, this, there's been a controversy in the church for, for centuries about the law, excuse me, partly about the law, but especially about this, this law or commandment about the Sabbath. And I think it's been ruined because it's been made a burden for people. And people are told, you can't do this, 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 you can't. I mean, I read a, 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 a book recently by a guy on the Ten Commandments. This is written back in the 1870s. You shouldn't read a newspaper on Sunday. And it was a big deal. I mean, he made a big deal about this. Um, and so it's that approach to the Sabbath which has, I think, made the church... Now, there are still some Sabbatarians around. But most, most Christians in America, at least, don't see Sunday really all that different. I mean, they go to church, but really... They, this whole concept of the Sabbath <clears throat> is kind of foreign... And it's partly due to this legalism that, that's made it a negative, a negative thing. When people today tend to think about the Sabbath, they think, what is it I can't do? You see, and, and that's the, the completely wrong approach. But that's because, <clears throat> excuse me, of what legalism has done to this whole discussion. I just want to mention a couple things briefly <clears throat> about about the Sabbath. And when I talk about the Sabbath, I'm not concerned about law. I'm concerned about principle. Because I think you can observe something in principle and in spirit. And different people can observe it different ways. So why did, God, why did God give the Sabbath? Well, Jesus says the Sabbath is for man's benefit. Now, I believe that when Jesus said that, he really meant not only the Sabbath, but really all the law. Is for you. I mean, it's really in my best interest that God says adultery is bad. That protects my marriage. See what I'm saying? It's in my interest that God says theft is bad because that protects my property. So the law is given for our good, you see. Not for, not for our punishment, not for our bad. It's for our good. It protects us. So the Sabbath is good is is given to us and it's for our good. Well, what are the good things that we get out of it? I want to mention a couple. The, the obvious one is that the, the first benefit or really the first purpose of the Sabbath is what? Rest. It's rest. Now, um, rest is an interesting thing. Now, we live in a day, we, we live in this this weird thing called America in the 21st century. And I say it's weird because if you read history, you realize how weird it is that we live, when I say we, I mean your typical middle class, and that's a big, wide range of people. But it's weird because we have these things called religious liberty and political rights, and we have a 40-hour work week. Like, what the heck is that? I mean, that's not in the Bible. Well, it isn't. As a matter of fact, when you go back and read 
literature, some of it related to the Sabbath back in the 19th century. One of the reasons that so many preachers were harping on the Sabbath is because we're, uh, business owners were making people work seven days a week. And there were children working 14 hours a day, seven days a week. One of the reasons Sunday schools, we call them, or Sabbath schools were started was because kids couldn't go to school because they had to work. And so on, on the, when they got a, a day off on Sunday, they could go to church and they could be taught how to read and write. So, you know, we take a whole lot for granted in terms of what's normal. The, the, the American experience is not normal. It was never normal in history. It's not even normal in most places of the world still. Um, so, back to rest. Okay, so... The, the, the purpose of, of, one of the purposes of the Sabbath was to protect people from abuse and overwork. And it's interesting, when the, when the commandment was given in Exodus, God specific, well, let's read it. We'll come right back to Matthew. Go to Exodus 20. We just, just go ahead and read it. Exodus 20, in verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Notice the enumeration there. It's important. Um, this, this ordinance was to protect people from being overworked. I could see somebody saying, I'm observing the Sabbath, but my servants... Because they're doing all the work and I get to rest. Or your animals do the work. Okay. The point is, is that this was a means to protect people from being really abused. Even to protect animals from being abused. Because they needed rest also. So the primary, uh, one of the primary purposes is <clears throat> physical rest. Now, um, some people, I don't you can correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you got a totally different view of this. I'm not sure that we Americans do this very well. I, I mean, people go on vacation and they come back exhausted. <clears throat> Just saying. Just saying. Because, you know, here's what we're doing on vacation, honey. Monday morning we're going here, and Monday afternoon we're doing this, and Tuesday morning we're doing this, Tuesday afternoon, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, blah, 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 blah. Dude. Send me to work. That's not a vacation. That's not rest. Now, you can be active and rest. Because part of resting is emotional, spiritual even, and, and psychological. I mean, it's, it's what's going on in your head. Some, now, in my family, we have a joke. Actually, I'm the one that says the joke. I've refined the art of taking a nap. Okay? I know how to take naps. Now, if you would all be real quiet, I could probably fall asleep right here in about seven minutes. I'm really good at taking naps. My wife can't take a nap. I mean, rarely. She's totally exhausted. But she never plans a nap. It's like, it'll just happen. She might doze off a little bit. I plan it. <laughs> I look forward to it. But sometimes when I take a nap, 
I can't take a nap. And it's not because my body isn't cooperating. My mind isn't cooperating. Sometimes I'm laying there and it looks like I'm really doing nothing, but what I'm doing is I'm working on a sermon. I'm working on my outline. I mean, I'm really, I'm really working. And so rest, physical rest is important. But I think the Sabbath, the, the real, I shouldn't, say, I shouldn't contrast these two kinds of rest. They're both valuable and they're both important. But we need to rest not only physically, we need to rest emotionally and psychologically. Yes. Now, today's the Lord's Day and it's supposed to be a day of rest. Now, you know, you can do active things. Maybe you're going to cut your grass. For some people, that's actually rest. Some people love working on their lawn and it's therapeutic for them. Now, Sabbatarian is like, no, 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 no. You can't pick up a tool. No, no, no. Not realizing that that actually is rest for a person. Okay? Um, and I know people who, who work with you know, screens and numbers and things all week long. And, and, and they want to do something with their hands. And that, that's peaceful and therapeutic and restful for them. That's the spirit of, of the Sabbath. That's the point. But you can spend all day today doing literally nothing physically. But if you're worrying about your meeting tomorrow morning... You see, then you're not really resting. If you if you're worrying about the bills you got to pay this week, you're not resting. And and the thing that I found when I took my sabbatical is, and I'm not exaggerating, it probably took me three weeks not to think about you. <laughs> and even after that, I had to constantly, regularly say, nope. Don't go there in your head. I mean, I would go to sleep praying for the church, and I would wake up and I was praying for the church. I'm like, I'm going to just go back to work if I'm going to do this. Now you think, well, wait, well, you don't stop praying for the church. You don't, of course not. But the point is, a pastor doesn't just pray for a church, he carries it. He carries it, and it's a weight. And, and the whole point of the sabbatical is to not carry it for a while. That's the whole point. Now, people, one of the first things people have said to me when they see me is, is, how many churches did you go to? Not many. And I'll tell you why. Because I couldn't go to a church without thinking about this church. And every time I went to that church, I thought about this church. And I compared their music to our music, and their preaching to our preaching, and how the church looked, and how big it was. That's not a sabbatical. That is doing research. Okay. That's what that is. It's not a sabbatical. Now, before I took my sabbatical, I was really looking forward to it, and I actually made this huge list of things I was going to do. Now, how stupid is that? Stupid. And then when my sabbatical started, I, I, I realized I feel so much pressure to enjoy this that I'm not enjoying this. It's like someone telling you, have fun. Uh, you know what I mean? It doesn't work that way. 
And I had you know, all these, you know, I have this list of books, I have this list of projects, I had a list of this and that. And it's like, you know, after, I like, scratch that. And if I get up today and I don't want to do anything, I'm not going to do anything. And if I get up today and I want to go in my car and drive somewhere, I'm going to go drive somewhere. And if I want to read today, I'll read today. If I want to watch the Olympics today, I'll watch the Olympics today. And that's what I did. Because that was the point. But we don't do that. I don't, maybe you do that really well. I don't do that well. That took me weeks to even get to a place where I felt okay not having a list of things to do every day. And not feel guilty about that. So, you know, we can say the Sabbath is for rest, and you're like, yeah, I agree with that, I'm not going to work today. But man, there's a whole lot that goes on in your mind and your heart and your soul that isn't restful. And that's, the, that's what we need to think about when we think about individually, how do I and my family really work this out in our lives? Now, years ago when I learned about the Sabbath, I made a point of, of trying to adopt certain practices in my life which would help me. For example, I decided I would not pay any bills on a Sunday. Now, that, that, that helped me. Because when I do bills, I get this big knot in my stomach. I don't know about you. It's like, that ain't rest. And I I would do other things during the week or make sure I got them done on a Saturday. And by the way, what's interesting about this commandment, I'm rambling, aren't I? That's all right. You got to give me a couple freebies. I'm just getting back in the group, okay? um, the, The commandment isn't work five days a week. And it doesn't say work 40 hours a week. It says work six. You get one off. So that means Saturday is really the freebie. Get all your junk done Saturday. So Sunday, you don't have to do anything. And you can enjoy it. And I mean enjoy it. Enjoy it. Not just enjoy it with your body. So, now this is really hard in our culture. You know why? We have this thing called the cell phone. <laughs> and so I actually read this article, I covered this a couple years ago, and it had a, had a picture of all these people on the beach with their laptops open. And the point of the article is like, your boss knows you have your computer. And so now, what hap- unfortunately what happens in many cases is, is your employer expects you to be on call at all times. And I think you ought to tell your employer, I'm a Christian, Sunday is a holy day to me, and if you call me, I'm going to file a complaint with the federal government <laughs> that you are discriminating against me and my religion. What's that? What's that? EOS? What? EOS? Equal opportunity? Something? Whatever. One of those. One of those federal groups. Just get the feds on them. But, but the reality, I mean, my wife, I won't even go into that. Okay. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of employers think that they can text you at any time of the day or night, any day of the week, and um, it's not right. And so, 
you know, maybe, maybe some of this is unavoidable. You can't change it. But the, what you can change, you ought to change. That means don't, and I'll say something to you young people. Don't wait till Sunday to do your homework. The reality is, if you, if you just do your stuff during the week, you get it all done. And if you got a couple hours Saturday, do it Saturday. And then Sunday, you don't have to worry about anything. And that's part of this rest. The, now, Christians should never worry, right? Amen. Anybody here ever worry? Okay, every day. All right. So, I mean, what I mean is you carry stuff. Life is stuff. I mean, things, you got, you got work, you got family, you got ministry. I mean, you carry stuff. But the Lord's Day is really supposed to be a day where what you're saying is, I'm not going to carry this. You know why? Because God carries this. God is carrying this. And so, the Sabbath, if it's to be observed in terms of rest, and I mean emotional, psychological, physical, it really is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. To say that no matter what's going to happen tomorrow at work, God is sovereign, God's in control of my life, God loves me, And I'm not going to think about it today. And I don't have to feel guilty about it. And that's hard for some of us, isn't it? It's hard. Because if we're not worrying, we think that we don't care. We're not being responsible. Not on this day. Not on this day. So the things we say we believe and the things we declare, you know, when we come together and we worship, when we say, great is thy faithfulness, and we say, we were singing earlier, I forget which song, you are Lord of all, I forget, that's the wrong tune, but what was that song? Someone help me. Lord over all, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, wow, really? Wow, Really? My job, my work, my kids, my family, my finance, I mean, everything. If that's really true, then I don't have to worry. And I remember when I, when I first started to learn about the Sabbath years ago, how good it felt to think that God was saying it was okay not to carry a bunch of stuff on this day. I don't think we should ever worry, but the reality is you got a lot of responsibility, you got to deal with stuff. But I think as much as possible, we ought to unclutter this day. Now, I'm not saying don't do things. I mean, I'm having family over today, and I'm going to barbecue, and we'll be active, and, but I'm not going to worry about tomorrow morning. I'm not going to worry about the meetings I have to have this week. I'm not going to worry. I mean, I say worry. I'm not going to carry that today. And that's not being irresponsible. That requires an act of faith. I mean, I believe it's ironic. Listen, it requires discipline to rest. Now, we're not going to read Hebrews 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, we are. Never mind. Go there. We got a few minutes. I'm I'm only going to get to my first point. I had three points. That's all right. I'll be back for a couple more sermons. Okay. Okay, Hebrews 4. 
Now, I, I won't read the whole thing. Uh, it's kind of complicated. Okay. Let's just go to verse 9 of Hebrews 4. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, his capital H, God's rest or Christ's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Okay, so he's saying, okay, look at what happened in creation. What happened in creation is God worked six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Now, we know that God didn't really rest in the sense that we rest because God wasn't tired. But rest meant he ceased from what he was doing. Okay, so... The, the author of Hebrews is saying that if we are resting in God, then we rest like God. He's the example for the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath, he sanctified it, and then he rested on that first Sabbath. And Adam was created on what day? Pardon me? The sixth sixth day. But Adam's first full day was the Sabbath. He began in rest. And there's valuable lessons there. But notice this, and this is the the paradox, if you will. Verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. What? Wait a minute, I thought the rest was not being diligent. We could translate this, let us therefore work to enter the rest. Now, I don't know about you, but when I came to Christ, it took me a while to understand grace and faith and understand that I didn't have to do anything to be saved. Did any of you have that issue? I had to labor to not labor. I had to work to figure out that I didn't have to work to be saved. And that's what he's saying. And many people stumble at the gospel because they say, well, it can't be that easy. I have to do something, something of my own to be saved. And the gospel is, nope. You can do nothing, you can be nothing, you cannot save yourself in any regard. God saves you wholly and completely. And that is so hard for us. It's so simple, but it's so hard to rest in that. That God loves me, and that God will save me in every sense of that word, and I don't have to do anything to earn it. I mean, do you realize that so much of Christianity does not preach that? Because it is so hard for us not to work. And just like our salvation, so with the outworking of the Sabbath. It is so difficult not to work. 
It is so difficult not to carry things. It is so difficult not to, to fill our lives with business. It's so difficult to be quiet. Quiet. I mean, you go to a prayer meeting and there's two minutes of, of silence and people are like, this is weird. It's quiet. Because if they were at home, they would get their phone out and look at it. Just saying, am I right or not? I mean, you got to have a device. I mean, pretty soon you get the option, you just plug it in your brain? Sure, I'll take that option. Thank you. You want to run it 24-7? Yes, that would be nice. I just need stimulation. Tis true. Just pay attention to yourself. Really. It's pretty interesting. And we all do it. And, and it's hard for us to rest. And so it, it's a contradiction, but we need to be disciplined to learn how to walk out the Sabbath in our lives. And that means our, looking at our heart, what our hearts are doing on the Lord's Day, looking at activities and, and how we live that day out, and I'm going to talk, since I didn't get done, I'm going to talk at a later point about at least probably two other things about the Sabbath that are important. And, and what you see is that if you're really doing Sabbath kind of things, that um, you don't have to worry and carry this other stuff because you will enter into the spirit of rest and the spirit of faith and most importantly which I'll talk about later is the spirit of celebration and that's what the Sabbatarians have killed that this day is an annual feast an annual celebration so today I'm going to I'm going to slay the fatted calf man <laughs> Well, it's a fatted cow, actually. I'm not going to slay it. The butcher is, but I'm going to cook it. <laughs> and I have extended family in town from the wedding still, and we're going to barbecue, and we're going to celebrate. And I don't have to feel guilty about that. So uh, we'll talk more about, are we going to close with the worship song? We are? Okay. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, I thank you that uh, you have hollowed a day um, for us to cease from um, really worldly concerns to be able to rest in you, to rejoice in you, to a fellowship with you to um, be renewed. I pray that you would teach us as individuals and families how to walk this out in our lives in this crazy, crazy world we live in um, with all the distractions and all the technology and all the things that go on around us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to approach this practice not not legalistically not in law but in grace 
um, because you have made this ordinance for us to bless us. We thank you, God, that you are rich and you love to share with your children. So we just thank you, God, for blessing us today with your presence, your word, your worship, and your body. And we pray it in your name. Amen.